I'm really excited to have in studio with me Kevin Flesh. He is an attorney. Uh, Steve said he gets all kinds of airtime. I know that you are are good uh, colleagues with uh, Scott Watley. Does a great job later on in the day, and uh, really appreciate you being being in here. Yeah, not a problem. Yeah, Scott and I get together every couple of weeks to talk about legal stuff on his show, and then uh, I do some. Uh, we also do a show on Saturday, Sportsman of Colorado. Okay, so great. We talk about hunting and fishing, and very much an advocate for gun ownership and the Second Amendment. And but but I think in this context, I, I put my lawyer hat on, and we talk about you know look at the. Look at the federal constitution. Look at our state constitution. Both talk about the fact that uh, no one shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of mm-hmm. law. And and that's really simple, right? Well, I, I hope so. You know, it seems like, Kevin, every time we have these tragic shootings, yes, you immediately start to hear people, politicians say that we need to have more and more gun control. And, and they may not say it in those words. You're, you're hearing words like common sense gun control, yes. uh, red flag bills. And I read Colorado's red flag bill that it's became awful. law, and I thought it was awful And um, because I did not feel that there was due process. And, you know, people, it breaks their hearts when they see, you know, they think, oh, my gosh, if that guy didn't have a gun, then he wouldn't have been able to shoot people. Well, that's kind of simplistic, well, the thing that what happens is, I think, is politicians and everyone in sort of in the community that deals with these issues is looking for an answer to the problem that we have, which is people being violent and killing people when they really shouldn't. And it's a mental health issue. It's a lonely people out there that are deranged that are taking it out on society for whatever reason. I mean, that's that's the cause and effect. That difficult question to answer is how do you solve that problem? Because dealing with the mental health issues and dealing with those sorts of individuals in those situations is a really complex problem to solve. But politicians don't want to solve that because both sides of the aisle are looking to point the finger at the other relating to when these things happen to say there's not enough gun control or there's too much. I mean, it's just personal... um, I think just the way that the politicians are looking at this problem, they don't actually want to solve it. And these red flag bills are just another way for the left, for the Democrats, to confiscate weapons. And it's, it's, I liken it to the similar situation that we had with marijuana in Colorado. And we started out with medical marijuana, and now we've got recreational. Because you slowly, the public gets used to it, and it's mm-hmm. okay. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing that they're doing here. Well, if we can put in a process, whether it's due process or not, to take your weapons, then... We're just going to take them over time and hope that we can confiscate all of them. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about this country is our founders put in place the Second Amendment, right? And the Second Amendment is a right, not a privilege. Our ability to drive on the roads in Colorado is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And they can take our license really with very little due process. Mm-hmm. Um, you, still get, you, you still get a hearing, but the hearings aren't very viable mm-hmm. most of the time. But here we're talking about, and the argument right from the politicians is, well, we know that these people have mental health issues. So anybody with mental health issues, we have to take their weapons. Mm-hmm. But that leads to a lot of corrupt problems. Let's go back. What is due process exactly, Kevin? Yeah, so due process in this context relating to taking someone's property, whether it's a gun or your real estate or, or anything, um, you need to have some sort of court proceeding wherein you get to fight the fight, that it's both sides are there, they're in front of a disinterested judge, and that judge hears evidence from both sides. There's cross-examination. There's av- advocacy on both sides. And then a decision is made. The problem with all of these laws so far is that 
it's normally what's called an ex parte process, which means that you can go in with an affidavit and basically affirm under oath that the person that you're trying to take their guns from is infirm somehow, whether it's a mental capacity or they're uh, going to do some harm to themselves or someone else, and that the reason that they have this defect is is significant enough that you need to take their weapons from them. Um, and, and the idea is you do that before something happens. When we don't have any other laws relating to the criminal process or even the civil process where the judge can step in, generally speaking, and say, oh, we think you're going to do this, so we're going to stop it before it happens. Does that make sense? It does. It, and, it does, yeah. And, and that's the trouble with this, with this process is that, especially if you do it ex parte, then, then you can have just a, let's say you and I are married and we have a disagreement about something in our marriage and we're going to get divorced. As part of the divorce, you go, and we see this on a regular basis now in dissolution of marriage actions, where you go and get an order removing me from the home. And you can do that ex parte through a restraining order process now. Okay. The same sort of process is what our new red flag bill says you can do in going and confiscating all of my weapons. And then the, the real issue relating to due process is now I've been convicted, essentially, without having my day in court. Now I get to petition the court to go back and explain why it shouldn't have happened. But in petitioning the court, that means you have to get an attorney yes. and, and, and pay for it out of your, your own pocket. And uh, I want to go back to something, though, on ex parte. My understanding is is that you may not even know, at least on the... You don't. The, you, you don't know that you've been accused. Right. You have no idea. They don't, they don't have to put you on notice of anything. Okay. So that's the first component of due process, is you are not actually being able to face your accuser. And that was really important to the founders. Yes. They realized that because, you know, people could go out and make all kinds of allegations about someone and that that... That took away your rights, mm-hmm. and that's why due process was. Am I, am I coming around to this yeah, correctly? That's exactly right. The other pro, the other process that we go through is we go through jury trials. We have individuals from the community come in and and listen to evidence and make a decision in just common sense terms and decide guilt or innocence. A lot of times, or guilt or not guilt, uh-huh. um, relating to criminal cases or in civil cases to determine what you would have to pay in the way of monetary things. Um, it's the same point here with the ex parte. You don't get that opportunity because you don't know about it. It would be, you know, that's where I think first the first thing where the red flag laws fall down is that it should be a situation where you are put on notice. And then you have a hearing within seven days. They can do that. They can make that a priority for the court. We do that for restraining orders now, where the restraining order is a priority for the court to hear those things um, right away. And so you could do the same thing with these sorts of gun confiscation laws so that you have the ability to come in and deal with it. Now, the argument is, oh, well, you're so mentally infirm, something may happen in that seven days. Okay. Well, we don't have any data to suggest that it does because we've, we've got other states. Connecticut has, been, has had their red flag law since 1999. They've got 10 years of data relating to whether it works or not. Um, and none of the data suggests that the gap in time between whether it's an ex parte or just a regular hearing, that there's something that the person does that with those weapons that are in their possession. Okay, now I'm thinking about this. Let's say that I am the judge. And so someone comes in and uh, they say, hey, you know, um, Harry over here, I, you know, I think that he's infirmed. I'm concerned. He's got all kinds of weapons. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I think that you need to do something about it. Now, they say in these red flag laws that 
that actually the person that's coming in making the allegation has to you know be sure that that's the case. I don't see that there's protections there on that really. The, no, they have to come in and they have to get in front of a judge, and and the judge gets to decide credibility and determine whether or not the person that's giving them this evidence yeah. is is really credible about the threat. So let's think about this. You're yes. the judge, mm-hmm. and somebody comes in and they they make this accusation. I, I'm going to say nine times out of ten, they're probably going to, they're thinking in their head, well, gosh, what if, what if, what, I'm, wrong? What if I'm wrong and this person goes out and does, you know, uh, attack someone. And so it seems like it's just setting it up that the, the judge is probably going to go ahead and rule to, to go in and take those weapons. That's why it's so important in the laws to have a specific level of proof that they have to provide the court. So... In criminal cases, we have to provide the court proof beyond a reasonable doubt to find guilt. It's mm-hmm. a really high standard. Um, in most of these laws, I think it's by a preponderance of the evidence to begin with as to whether or not the person should have the order entered. And I agree with you. I mean, the court, they're human beings like anybody else. And with all of the press that's out there about these sorts of situations, the court is going to start with, well, I want to protect the public. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think if you have a a standard of by a preponderance. So that's just tilting the scales of justice, right? If the person who doesn't have an advocate on the other side that's arguing for the negative mm-hmm. um, comes in and gives the, the court that information and it seems plausible, then the court's going to enter the order. So again, we have a due process issue there. Now, if the standard is clear and convincing evidence, I think that's a much higher standard, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but between the two, between uh, by a preponderance versus beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay? What does Colorado's law, I can't remember. Does I can't it... remember either. I think that it starts out by a preponderance. That's what I'm thinking too. And then I think the person that has their guns taken, they have to then basically disprove by clear and convincing evidence. So that's wow. another That's another issue that we have. Another due to... process. Well, uh, Kevin Flesh, let's go to break. Uh, you uh, are an attorney. Uh, what, what is your website if people... Yeah, it's fleshlawfirm.com. And that's F-L-E-S-C-H lawfirm.com. Okay, great. Thrilled to have you in studio with me. This is such an important conversation regarding due process. Uh, We'll be right back. Kevin Flesh, it's so good to have you in studio. This is such an important issue, due process. These red flag laws, and I'm I'm uncomfortable that President Trump is starting to say that he might be talking about red flag laws. We, we have got to stay strong on this. Yes, we do. And the, the other thing is related to the federal government. There really is no ability for the federal government to come in and do this um, because of the Commerce Clause. So because there's no inter, interstate commerce relating to the use of these weapons. So the person living in Colorado shouldn't have the the feds aren't. I will be very surprised if the federal government actually can pass anything where a federal judge or a federal magistrate in downtown Denver or Colorado Springs is hearing some sort of red, red flag gun confiscation uh, hearings. Okay, uh, It's going to be state by state. And I think what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to get um, sort of federal legislation to have sort of a model bill so that the, all the states, because there's 17 states right now that have uh, gun f- confiscation bills or red flag uh, laws in place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they want to, the Dems in particular, want to have all of the states have that tool in their arsenal to take guns away from people. Mm-hmm. And listen, the, I think we, we all can have a discussion about uh, a s- situations like this where you have people that are clearly uh, have a mental capacity issue and they're they're dangerous i don't don't we have something in colorado already though yeah so what happens in colorado if somebody's concerned about uh, a person's mental uh, state of state of mind well so every criminal case that we have in colorado the person's guns are taken from them 
as a condition of bond almost. And while on probation, you have all of your weapons taken from you as a condition of probation, whether it's a misdemeanor or a felony. Okay, so if you've been accused of, of, of that, your weapons are taken? Taken, yep. It's okay. a, a condition of the relinquishment of those weapons is a condition of you being out of custody. Okay. So we, we have that. So, but, the, the, but the point is, and I think, you know, for example, if George Brockler, the 18th judicial uh, DA there, was looking for a tool that if we have this situation, um, we had that deranged former lawyer that shot the Douglas County Sheriff a few years ago um, when they showed up. And, and the question is, do you have enough evidence for individuals with police contact to go in and say, hey, we've got to do something about this person so they don't commit any further crimes? Th- there are things, restraining order procedures, there's other things that we can do to have courts make some decisions about things. The trouble is we don't have a specific um, law relating to weapons. And that's what that's what people are really trying to do. It doesn't solve the problem. It really masks it, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, well, and and if somebody wanted to hurt someone, uh, they could use a knife or or like the, this realtor yep. uh, that uh, was attacked a, a week or so ago. The perpetrator had a knife and bear spray. Right. So so this really is. It, this really is working to take firearms away from everyday people. Correct. From what I can see, absolutely, because that's that's the exact position that that the folks that are advocates for taking weapons or not people not having weapons because you always hear oh you know why do you need a hundred hundred round magazine or why do you need this or why do you need that but that's not where we're where we have to start our analysis constitutionally constitutionally you have to look at the second amendment and you have to decide how far does the second amendment go relating to that Mm -hmm. that right that we have to to bear arms Mm -hmm. and and so the idea is is trying to at least from the perspective of gun ownership and and managing guns from the perspective of people who don't want you to have them, is how do they create a law that gets past that constitutional muster, that gets past that analysis, that this is okay. And we've seen that in D.C., we've seen it in Chicago. I mean, In Chicago, they had a bloody week in there. Oh, my gosh. It's it's the most restrictive gun ownership municipality in the country, and they also have the highest murder rate. Or very close go, to that. Go figure. How's that working out? Yeah. Well, it's not. Yeah. And so, so that's an example of when you look at um, when you look at the politics involved, um, you, you still need to go back to the documents and really talk about due process. And that's where we we really have to fight the fight is the documents that are already in place to help us. And our founders were so smart in that way to give us the grounding to make sure that we we put these things aside because they're just not constitutional. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the due process analysis relating to, we could do things, we could certainly do things to control these sorts of situations, but there just has to be certain things in place. There has to be no ex parte hearings. There has to be the ability to have counsel um, before they take uh, your your property rights relating to weapons. Oh, that I hadn't thought about that. So they can just take it without you having any counsel. They can. Yeah. Right now. And that's going to be the interesting thing with with Colorado, because there is some provisions in the law that would suggest that you could be appointed someone if you're not able to uh, actually hire a private lawyer, which will be interesting, too, because then how's the state? How's that going to be regulated by the state? And who are those lawyers that are going to be representing you? Because if you get a lawyer that's representing you that thinks you should have your guns taken away from you anyway, there's some ethical considerations for the lawyer. And how does the state pay for all of that? And that, that hasn't been figured out yet. Yeah. And that's going to be an interesting discussion because that's, that's got to happen before this is put in place to do it correctly as to due process. Well, and, and a couple of things. Going back to mental health, we have talked 
talked about uh, mental health. I mean, I don't remember these kinds of mass shootings years ago. I think there's something going on with society, and we need to address that. And uh, we've talked we've talked about that on several different shows. Well, I think there's a large. I think one of the largest things that's happened is our our federal and state governments have defunded a lot of the mental health treatment that they had and the facilities that they had, and those people are out homeless or they're out just in the wind and where we're not getting the help that's really needed. And that I see it every day in our criminal defense practice, the folks that I'm representing that have a mental health component that needs needs some help and they don't have the resources to do it. And those are the people that are ending up in these tragedies um, because we're, we're just sort of setting them aside when we, we can't. And as a society, we should be more empathetic to them. Right. Right. And so instead of taking care of the problem, uh, what is happening is politicians and bureaucrats and these interested parties are trying to use this problem to actually uh, to 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 take away the firearms of everyday people. Absolutely. That's the bottom line. And and it's easy because you you have generally speaking, you have two camps relating to a gun. You either have the folks that are comfortable with them and and are advocating for for uh, the Second Amendment and their right to have them, and you have the people that are scared of guns. And so the people that are scared of guns, and there's lots of them out there, um, think, well, I don't care because I'm scared of them and I don't want them around anyway, so let's get rid of them. But the problem is, is that the guns aren't going away. Only the guns for law-abiding citizens are going to go away. The bad guys are going to be the ones that They're have always going to have guns. Well, and, you know, one other thing, people may be, uh, you know, that are afraid of guns are saying, hey, this is a great idea. But when you get rid of due process, it's not just going to be this. We see other issues out there. We see where government is trying to get into how you raise your children. What if somebody made an ex parte accusation that they didn't like the way you were raising your children? I know that that kind of seems like do-do-do-do, but I don't think think it is. Because once you start to have these, these rights chipped away that's in the Constitution, then where does it stop? And that's why we have these conversations, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, no problem. I, I greatly appreciate that. And again, your law firm, it's um, fleshlawfirm.com, right? Yep. And that's F-L-E-S-C-H. That's correct. The, the firm name is Flesh and Beck Law, but the, the uh, website address is fleshlawfirm.com. Okay. Well, I hope that you'll come back. I'm more than happy to. Because you're an early fun. riser. You, you weren't whining about having to get here so early. No, so not uh, at all. And uh, <laughs> these are always interesting topics. And the more that people know about it, the better off they are to talk with folks in the opposite side. Uh, whatever side of the argument you're on, you need to at least understand the law relating to it and how it should be, whether you agree or disagree with it, it should be fair process. And that's really what due process is all about. Well, and that's why we do this show. So yeah. thanks so much for being here, Kevin Flesh.